When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. The sound interrupted my reading. Where was it coming from? I looked up from my book. I glanced to the kitchen. The faucet wasn't dripping. The sound was coming from the window. I rose from the couch. Oh, I see. A grackle, a robin, and a chickadee are knocking at my window. The first teller for this episode is Carolina Quiroga Stoltz. She's a fellow storyteller and podcaster, and her podcast, Tres Cuentos, means three stories. It's a literary podcast dedicated to the myths and legends of Latin America. It's now in English and Spanish, can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. She shared one of the stories from her podcast, and this is her telling a tale of war, wit, and love in The Last Zapotec King. The Last Zapotec King It is the year of 1487 of the Christian era. Cosijoesa is a young warrior of 30 years old and had been recently appointed the new Zapotec King. Today, he is in his palace in the city of Juchitán, in the gardens of the trees of white flowers. Today, Cosijoesa is hosting a diplomatic ceremony. He is welcoming emissaries from all the other kingdoms that have come to pay their respects and, of course, to congratulate him. The next one to talk is the Aztec emissary. Great Cosijoesa! Magnificent light that makes the ether tremble. Ahuizotl, our mighty Aztec king, wishes you uh, prosperity and uh, (laughs) many descendants. And as a symbol of his friendship, Ahuizotl sends you many presents. (laughs) Our mighty king only asks for you to deliver to him some of your trees of white flowers that grow only here in Huchitan. Cosijoesa reflects the truth is that the Zapotecs and the Aztecs have never been friends. Then why? Why is Ahuizoto, the Aztec king, asking for those trees. Why now? Was this a bait? Does he want to start another war? Cosijoesa needs to think 
his answer carefully. The wrong words can disturb the tense calm. As Cosijoesa ponders the options, he is interrupted by the impatient emissary. Cosijoesa, you know that Ajuizato will have those trees one way or the other. Well, those poor manners led to an easy answer. Then no, he won't have my trees. A blood shed was unleashed, and it lasted for seven years. It was exactly what the Aztec king had been looking for. By 1494, the Aztecs had already destroyed all the major Zapotec cities, such as Mitla and Sachila. The Aztec forces were surrounding the outskirts of Juchitán, ready to destroy the Zapotec capital. All the Aztec soldiers were in high spirit, but they were also tired. What they didn't know is that the Zapotec soldiers inside the fortress of Juchitán had not fought yet. They were all well rested, and they had a secret weapon. That night, 30,000 Zapotec soldiers came out of the fortress of Juchitán, surrounded the Aztecs, and began to shoot their poisonous arrows. As a result, most of the Aztec soldiers were deadly wounded. Oh, Ajuizotl was furious. He had been so close, but now he had to flee and go back to Tenochtitlan, like the lion goes back to his cave to lick his wounds and plot his revenge. And here is when Montezuma II comes to play a major role. At the time, Montezuma is only Ahuizotl's nephew and one of his advisors. And Montezuma suggests that there could be an easier way to deal with that inconvenient neighbor, a female way. Coyolicansin, one of Ahuizotl's favorite daughters, also known as Cotton Flake, because her skin was pale, just like the moon. She was entrusted with the mission of seducing Cosijoesa, the Zapotec king, who had not yet found the perfect bride. The Aztecs have already gathered information on Cosijoesa's whereabouts. They knew when and where he would go to bathe. Then, a surprise love encounter was plotted. Oh, and when Cosijoesa saw Coyolican sin, he was taken by her beauty, by her seductive moves, and by her mysterious smile. To impress her, Cosijoesa began to talk 
about his riches, palaces, gardens, absolutely all he had. But she wasn't moved because she was plain, the femme fatale. At last, she just said, Oh, I have wandered throughout these lands in search of my happiness, but I haven't found it yet. Oh, he wanted to be her happiness. So, he invited her to stay at his palace in Huchitan for a week, and he treated her like a queen. At the end, she just said, Great, Kosihoesa. I certainly appreciate all your kindness, but my heart begs me to go back to my Aztec family, to my father, Ahuizatl. What? Kosihoesa couldn't believe it. How could this be? His happiness was the daughter of his arch enemy. But now he was so in love with her that he was willing to do anything for her. So she went back to her Aztec family, followed by a long escort of Zapotec emissaries carrying gifts and a marriage proposal. Ahuizotl, the Aztec king, was delighted. His plan had worked. All those riches had come so easily. And the marriage proposal? A piece of cake. Now, he had to play the role of the sad father. So, Ahuizotl said... Oh, this proposal breaks my heart, my cotton flake, my beautiful Coyolicansen, my favorite daughter. Oh, how can I live without her? But I'll figure it out. Oh, but I can see your king as wise, seeking an alliance with the greatest of all nations. This union will certainly bring power and peace at last. Well, the two lovebirds got married, and the celebration lasted four days. All the common people, Zapotecs and Aztecs, believed that finally peace had been accomplished. But what only a few knew was that Coyolicansin was still on a mission. She had been instructed to spy on the Zapotecs, often sending information back to her father about the Zapotecs' military strategies and on their secret weapon. Ahuizotl's only hope was that one day he could finally subdue the Zapotecs. However, Ahuizotl did not leave to see his ambitions fulfilled. He died in 1509, but Montezuma, his nephew and heir, pursued the old goals. When Montezuma II took possession of the Aztec throne, 
he sent an ultimatum to Cosijoesa. The beautiful Coyolican scene could either stay with her adopted Zapotec family and most likely die. Or she could go back to her Aztec blood and join them against their long-lasting enemies. Yet, Coyolicancin had made her choice long time ago. Soon after their first son was born, she confessed everything to Cosijoesa, who forgave her because, truly, she meant the world to him. Still, she continued spying, but this time for the Zapotecs. She kept feeding the Aztecs with the misleading information that her husband gave her. Yes, she chose to stay with her Zapotec family. Now it was up to Cosijoesa to decide. Should he spare his people from another bloodshed or should they fight? He chose life. He signed a treaty that made the Zapotecs a dependent kingdom of the Aztecs. It doesn't look like a win, right? But in the long run, it was. Because what Cosijoesa knew and what Montezuma II failed to interpret in the omens they all witnessed for years is that right around the corner there was a third party coming to play a destructive and transformative role in the lives of all the native people of the Americas. It was the conquistadores, the Europeans. The Aztecs were almost wiped out. Perhaps because during their reign, they had only cultivated enemies. Yet, the Zapotecs survived. Until this day, the Zapotecs are still alive in the old Juchitan, today Oaxaca, Mexico. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Little Red's Courier Service. Through woods or on water, in the sky or beneath the earth, if you have a package to deliver, you can bet the Red Hoods will deliver it safe and on time. If the gingerbread boy had trusted our courier service, he would be safe across the river. If Sleeping Beauty's parents had trusted the invitations to the boots and bicycles of Little Red, every fairy would have received an invitation and a country would have continued to spin. Last-minute deliveries are our specialty, and we are happy to hop to it when getting precious cargo in on time. Little Red's Courier Service. We guarantee delivery to Grandmother's House and Kingdoms Beyond. The podcast has a new patron. Ed Hoban is the kind of patron who can throw a penny down a wishing well and get what is wished for. Legend has it that if Ed says there will be rain the next day, the clouds will reschedule their week to make it rain, and afterwards there are glorious rainbows. Ed is the kind of friend you want when there's a drought, and he's also a patron of the arts. Thank you for being a patron, Ed, and making this podcast possible. Be like Ed and become a patron for as little as $4 a month and discover your unique fairy tale talents as well. 
I looked at the three birds lined up at the window. Feathers fluffed against the cool wind and weather. One opened a beak and, with a wing, pointed at his mouth. I opened the window and invited them for tea. They took baths in cups of Earl Grey and chamomile and appreciated the lemon poppy scones. The second teller for this episode is Elisa Permain. She's a professional storyteller with over 30 years of experience telling in schools, libraries, churches, and festivals around New England. She's the author of two award-winning books, and the story you're about to hear is from her double CD, Forgiveness, Telling Our Stories in New Ways. Elisa is a teacher of storytelling and a licensed therapist, helping adults to hear their own stories in new ways for personal growth and healing. She tells a tale of friends and forgiveness in Writing in the Sand. Once, two friends named Musa and Nagib made a journey across the desert and through the mountains of Persia on Camelback. They came after a time to a place where a river flowed and trees gave shade. And they got down from their camels and walked down to the sandy riverbank. And there they began to talk about this and that. But soon their discussion turned into a disagreement. And the disagreement soon became an argument. The argument grew heated and unkind words were exchanged. Nagib felt offended, grew angry. And for the first time ever, he slapped Musa hard across the face. Musa was stunned and hurt, and his first reaction was to slap back. He has hurt me, he thought, and I should defend myself. But Musa was a thoughtful man, and so he remembered to step back instead. I cannot be too mad at my friend, he thought. I almost did the same thing to him. Still, he felt hurt. He thought about their friendship, and a number of questions came to his mind. Can I trust him? Should I go on being his friend if he can hurt me in this way? He saw that their friendship was at a crossroads. He could keep his pride and walk away, and their friendship would end, or, or he could take a different path. We are alike, he thought. I care about him. I don't want to lose our friendship. But I will let him know that this was hurtful to me. So he walked over to the trees and he picked up a stick. And he came back to the beach and there in the sand he wrote, Today my friend slapped me. Then the two men stood in silence and watched as the desert wind blew those words in the sand away. And by the time the writing had disappeared, Nagib had asked Musa for his forgiveness. The two friends got on their camels and they rode to their destination in a distant city and several months went by before they made the trip back through that same mountain pass. And again they stopped at that same riverbank. The day was hot and the two friends decided to take a swim. What they didn't realize was that since their first visit, the rains had made the current stronger and the river much deeper. Musa, the friend who had been slapped, went first and took several steps into the river. But suddenly he slipped on a rock and was dragged quickly under and down the river by the current. 
Nagib, seeing his friend disappear under the water, did not hesitate. He dove in, and with much difficulty, he caught up with his friend, and he pulled him to the safety of the riverbank. The two friends sat in silence for some time until Musa had regained his breath. And when he did, he rose up and went to his saddlebags, and there he found his rock-carving tools. And he went to a flat rock near the river's edge, and into the rock he carved these words, Today, my friend saved me. Again, the two friends sat in silence until Nagib spoke. My friend, after I hurt you, you wrote the words in sand, and and now, after I have helped you, you carved them in stone. Why? Musa replied, When someone hurts me, I want the winds of forgiveness to erase that memory away. This way my heart is free from bitterness and I can renew my friendship. But when someone does me a kindness, I want to engrave that memory in my heart so that it will never be forgotten. Thank you, my friend, said Nagib. I am very grateful for our friendship and for your forgiveness. I don't ever want to hurt you again. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Carolina Quiroga Stoltz and Elisa Permain on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. I do have a correction to make about the podcast that aired last week. I introduced one of the tellers as Denise Barrett, and there is no such person on that episode. The storyteller that told the delightful story of Nasrudin losing his donkey was Denise Bennett, a storyteller from Virginia. Now that you know her real name, go look her up. She plays the harp and tells marvelous stories. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was Linda Schuler Ford. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed from Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you'll hear more stories next week. But until then... Live happily ever after. And Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.